listener. Trigger warning. The following episode of Born Funny contains themes of suicide and depression. Remember, help is always available. Speak to someone today. Call Lifeline on 13 11 14. Hello, BFFs. Yes, our Born Funny friends. Yeah. Um, episode 24, baby. Here it is. <laughs> <laughs> who's it with, Jim? Who's it with? All right. Hey. No, no, who's it with? All right. I've already started this. Hey. What? No, who's the podcast yeah, with? Yeah, all right. Hey. Okay. Well, who? He's not here. Yeah, all right. What? Hey. <laughs> He's not here. All right, hey. Who? All right, hey. Who are you talking to? <laughs> all righty, all righty, all righty. It's Matthew McConaughey, episode 24. <laughs> we should start plugging fake guests. Yeah, yeah. The people listening going. Please enjoy Beyonce Knowles on Born Funny. Beyonce and Matthew McConaughey. Yep. It's a double <laughs> episode. <laughs> Matthew McConaughey, all right, eh? All right, all right, all right. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Please enjoy Taylor Swift. Enjoy Matt. Who? Matt. Who's Matt? He's right, hey. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, funny people. An odd bunch, really. Not your usual folk. They've been making us knee slaps since the ancient Greeks. But what makes these real-life jesters tick? Perhaps today we should ask this person. All right, hey. Tell me, were you born funny? I don't see how that's any of your business. <laughs> It's going to be a long podcast. Yes. <laughs> this is how they answer every question. We're fucked. I plead the fifth. <laughs> Nath, please get the round of applause ready for a person who is the epitome of fabulousness on social media. This sensational creator has captivated audience since the inception of their social media profiles. With a key eye for creativity and a fresh approach to video content, he never fails to ignite laughter in his loyal fan base. His infectious charm and magnetic personality makes him an absolute favourite among followers as he takes them on a glamorous journey filled with laughter, style and undeniable charisma. He has somehow only just started watching Suits and hates Meghan Markle's <laughs> character and might be, might be the country's biggest advocate to bring back the KFC crusher. He's also not a fan of thick wallets. I've got mine here and hopefully it's thin enough. Please welcome to the show Australia's biggest glamazon, Matt Hey, aka Alright Hey! Oh, <laughs> what an intro. Is that is that alright? Is that uh, that's not thin enough, I don't think. It I, could be thinner. I, I think it's actually pretty like good. Like this is probably as thick as it can get before yes. it's too much. Mm. So I no coins. It's only well it's only there. notes and yeah. So, yeah, Maddie, nice. he just took out 30 wads of $100 bills. <laughs> no, he didn't. <laughs> and we no. had to slide them over the desk to Matt because that's what we do. We pay our Born Funny <laughs> podcast. It's the only way we got, we got him in, was just to pay him. Hey, also, Maddie, I want to celebrate something that you uh, share with uh, with both Jimmy and myself as well, is the fact that this studio is fucking cold and yeah. I love it. I love yeah. it. So the first thing you said when you walked in here was like, thank God it is cold in yeah. here. Well, yeah. like I'm just always constantly sweating as a fat person. I'm li- There's not a moment. I could do an eye. <laughs> bath and be absolutely <laughs> dripping in sweat, literally. So I'm honestly stoked to walk in here and it feels like Antarctica. It's just my vibe. How do you go in the car? Because I like it doesn't matter what time of year it is, if it's like seven degrees. We lived down in Hobart for a little bit of time and it was fucking freezing. And I had my, I, every time I get in my car, I have it on almost full blast, but freezing cold. Yeah. It doesn't matter what the temperature is. Are you the same? Yeah, I'm the same. It could be four degrees outside. My aircon's still on as it's low colder. as it can go. <laughs> Low, 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 yeah. and absolutely hitting me right in the face and in the chest yeah, is the yeah. best part. Yeah, when we lived in Tassie, Nathan would uh, lay on top of his bed in the middle of winter in just like boxer shorts.
shorts and be sweating, and I'm in like a hoodie with socks just and like track pants, so and I'm like, how are you oh, still mate, I just, warm? Matty gets me, okay? Yeah. <laughs> Nate sometimes drives past Bottolos and just will pull up to go into the cold room and just oh, walk in sure. and be going. Oh, the only reason I'll go to the grocery store, most people think it's for groceries. No, it's to go and stand in the cold section. Yeah, and oh, you know I what I that. love? I love that for my co- local Coles, the cold section is the very last aisle and the freezer aisle is the last aisle. So I've worked up a sweat going up and down, up and down, <laughs> and then I get down and I go, right, let's take our fucking time. You know, <laughs> you know what Matt deserves? Fucking Ben and Jerry's. <laughs> I think I saw Matt having a sleep, a bit of a snooze in the frozen section. Yeah, yeah. Like, like everyone wants big dream houses, big mansions. I just want an igloo, you know? Like, <laughs> Move to Antarctica. Maddie, um, let's go back. What's what's your earliest memory of being funny? Do you have one as a child or I felt like I was like funny all the time because I was making myself laugh, but I was quite a loser. Like I was mm. no one thought I was funny. No one wanted to be my friend. I had a couple friends, but they were just as weird as me. Um Family find you funny? No, not really. They, no? Because I think they were sick of me because I was that child that was like, All right, everybody, it's Christmas Day. We've had our lunch. Sit down. <laughs> <laughs> We're playing trivia, okay? (laughs) And I'd get my grandma's women's weekly magazines and all of that and look through and go, right, what is what is uh, what are the royals done? All right, write a question about that. And then I'd get my grandma's curtains, shut them, (laughs) and then I'd tell my sister, you gotta pull it when I'm ready. (laughs) And she'd open the curtains and there I was, welcome to trivia, everyone. We're doing trivia. And they'd have to sit through a hundred questions that I'd written while lunch was being prepared. How how old were you when you're doing this? Oh, like six or seven years old. Hundred questions. By the time you finish, it's fucking Easter. But my parents loved that part. Yeah, they yeah. were like, yes, go away. Just yeah. write the questions. Keep yourself yeah. busy. They asked you to write 100. You're yeah. like, mum and dad, I could write 10. Yeah. They're like, no, 100. Need 100 questions. So, um, one sister, more brothers and sisters? I ha- growing up, I had one sister and then since my parents split and I now have a stepbrother and stepsisters, right. but yeah. we're all really close. So like they're brothers and sisters as well. So yeah. that early, Matt, right? So was it more being performative or is it more like I want to be in control of the room here? Like, what do you, what do you think the, the reason was behind getting behind the curtains and coming out and go, oh, all right, time for trivia. It was more like, <laughs> this is what I want to do, therefore everyone must do it. Or is it more like, it's time for me to perform? No, it's time for me in. to perform. I definitely wasn't about like having control of the room. It was more so like, I always knew from my earliest memory, I always knew all I wanted to do was entertain people. Yep. Yep. Didn't know at the time how that was going to be, but like always wanted to be on stage. I was doing everything. I was not even a triple threat doll. I was a octuple threat because I was doing everything, <laughs> singer, dancer, actor, soccer, tennis, like, what am I good at? Let's figure it out so I can show everyone, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. And um, so loved being on stage. I was always in the school musicals. Yeah. I was always front and center in the dances. Like, yeah. yeah, so I was always just, I just love being on stage. In, in class, were you studious? Were you trying to be like the smartest? Were you cracking jokes? Or again, you're just doing performative stuff? Um, yeah, again, like, I feel like I was a bit of a loser. So I was cracking jokes that no one cared and everyone yeah. was like, shut up. Like, yeah, right. Okay. Just <laughs> get over yourself. Um, so so you, like, you were trying to be funny, I guess, but just everyone's so like, the laughs no, went, the laughs went coming or? Yeah, kind of like, and then I kind of, um, took a step back and was like, okay, no one wants to hear my voice. And so that was, uh, that was a big thing for me as well. Like I was talkative with my friends. So I was always the one that was like, um, you know, the school report said talks too much, blah, 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 blah. And I don't know, for me in this like whole career, it's been like about reclaiming all the people that told me to shut up all those years ago. (laughs) You know, now I got a podcast that we just released and it hit, uh, number one, people are, I'm doing sold out stand up shows and blah, blah, blah. Like I'm like, and you invite those, you invite those people who do you shut um, up? No, security (laughs) is quite heavy on the door and I've got a list with their photos. Um, but like it's a bit of a, (laughs) it's a a bit of a, um, 
fuck you, I'm using my voice now to do everything so, that you told me I so couldn't. how old were you when you started to lose your voice? So you thought I needed to be more quiet? Oh, very young, because obviously, yeah. hello, gay, mm. yeah. <laughs> figure it out. I know it's very <laughs> mysterious, but... Well, spoilers, we haven't I'm... got to that part yet. <laughs> no, I'm still on the fence. I'm still on the fence. Wait, whether or not you're gay or Matt's Yeah, no, don't worry, I'll be able to figure it out I'm... for you. <laughs> I, well, he came in with gum and I just said spit it in my mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think you said spit it in the air and see who's yeah, mouth so catches. It's a fun game. <laughs> I got it. So yeah, so quite young again, were you then more reserved yeah. for a bunch of years? Uh, like... Definitely. So I went to a primary school that was quite um, effluent yeah. and uh, there were no school bullies. It was really weird. From kindergarten to year two, I don't remember having a school bully. I'm thinking, am I the school bully? Was I, was I the one? <laughs> yeah. Because yeah. like, I don't remember having a bad time or anyone even caring that I was gay. I know that we were young, but... Even older kids at the school um, didn't really care. And it was in quite a, like, um, you know, high socioeconomic area. And so a lot of the kids were very privileged and whatnot. And I didn't experience bullying. I then went from that school. My dad is a school principal, um, but they call me the headmaster. But but he moved schools to quite a low socioeconomic area. And I moved with him in year three. And that the the kids were just brutal. Like they were just so different. And and so I felt like I had my voice up until year three. And when I got to that new school, I was like, oh, I can't take these people on. This is too much. And I really like took a step back and became quiet for years. And I was still doing all those things like being in the school musical and, Mm thriving when that sort of stuff happened, but... but just in a classroom setting, you were just very quiet. Did it, did it change you at home and stuff as well, like on Christmas and stuff? Like, were you still doing the trivia and the performance Still doing stuff? the trivia, yeah. yeah. You right. couldn't so, get rid of me. Yeah, okay. So you still, that, that performative element, you, you He's were got still, a residency in yeah. his, <laughs> his, <laughs> his, his mum's lounge room. Yeah. <laughs> It's him and Adele. Yeah. Uh, so, so you were still, you were still, you know, being that performative person at home when you felt comfortable. You just, mm-hmm. you, it was almost like you were two different people. Yeah, cool. for sure. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I feel like um, a lot of the time I just had to, you know, as a gay kid, you got to hide who you are. But then there was that extra part of me that was also like my whole personality just wasn't what people were vibing with. And I was like, all right, then I'll hide that as well. And so I just felt like every day I was just like being and quiet and I didn't want to be quiet. Did you wonder then that when you're leaving that primary school, did you want to find a different high school? Did you go to one near it or? No, I just continued on through high school. And I mean, things didn't, things got a lot worse in high school because I was then opened up to, we obviously, when you go to high school, different primary schools then come together. Yeah. So I met a whole bunch of other people from other schools who it went from like the kids who now were like, okay with me being who I was and they've bullied me enough. Well, no, we've got a new kettle of fish here yeah. Yeah. and we've got all these other primary schools who are meeting me for the first time and they don't like what they see. And so high school was really, um, like horrible for me. Like I just would literally go and uh, do Bible study, like signed up for Bible study. I went yeah. to a, a like non-religious school, but would go to Bible study just so I had a safe space to kind of sit in and, yeah. uh, would spend most of my lunches in the library um, doing, yeah, like sitting at Bible study, but not doing Bible study. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, there, you know, the good thing is though, skipping forward to now, like I was invited back to my high school, um, last year to kind of talk to some of the queer kids there oh, wow. and be like, look, I was here with you and yeah. look, I'm doing really well. So <laughs> yeah, just hold on yeah, yeah, everyone. Yeah. Did you talk in Bible class? Was no, <laughs> because now they have something called Rainbow Club, which oh. is a lunchtime safe space for queer, trans, non-binary kids that is run by two really open and fabulous teachers. Yeah. And, um, at your school. And, and, and wow. yeah. And every... Were you like, where the fuck was Rainbow Club when I was at school? <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? It was like so incredible to walk into that room and see, um, I, and I was expecting to go in and maybe talk to four or five kids or at least four kids in that room mm. who were using that space as their safe space, all different 
you know, under the queer umbrella, all different um, orientations and genders and whatnot. And I was just like, it was quite emotional for me to see that because I was like, if I had this as a kid, like what would have happened? Like what would have been different? What could I have done? Yeah. Mm. Was there, was there a, a close group of friends that you did have at school who were accepting of, of who you are? Yeah. So I had a group of friends who were all boys and, um, at the time they were all. Was it co-ed school? Yeah. Yeah, co-ed yeah, school, yeah. but they were all boys and they were uh, not gay at the time. Since leaving high school, every single one has come out as gay. Oh. And I'm like, <laughs> I knew it the whole time! <laughs> and I was the only one that was, like, out. And then I also came uh, to find uh, some girls as well, like the popular group, if you will. Yeah, I kind of wanted to, like... Because all the popular boys were the ones bullying me. So I was like, if I get in with the popular girls, like, hopefully they'll protect me. And for a while, like, it was harrowing. It was so bad because the boys just didn't care and the girls just didn't care to help me out. Protect you, yeah. And I remember, like, when I finally figured that out, it was in year 10 and... I got bashed just simply for being gay. Like this guy just, I looked it in the wrong way, apparently. Mm. I don't remember doing that, but he just like absolutely laid into me and I'd never been in a fight before. So I just kind of took it and like literally broke my nose, like punctured my eye socket, like broke my jaw, like everything. Is this at school? Yeah, at school. All he got was like a three day suspension. I was like, you know, recovering for weeks from it. And uh, during that, time like none of the girls did a thing they were just kind of sitting there going don't like just stop yeah and um so that was the moment where i kind of went i don't think any of these people give a shit about me and i went back to bible study (laughs) right okay what um, conversations were you having with your parents during that time were you telling them about it you shielding them from it um well it was actually really hard because after that i actually um and like big trigger warning here but i was having some really dark thoughts and actually tried to you know do something really yeah. terrible because that happened. And then one of my teachers s- found out she then had to talk to my parents about it. My parents were going through a divorce. I was being bashed for being gay and I just wasn't coping and Bible study wasn't cutting it. So I was like, <laughs> and so she found out she then had to have this big meeting. And then of course, everyone at school found out as well that that had happened. And that was a whole drama, but you know, it's weird. I was like, oh, kind of love that they're not teasing me for being gay. It's something else for once, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Oh, so they were still teasing you about that. Yeah, about for sure. Te- really? Yeah. yeah. Everything like, take your pick. I'm fat, gay, gap tooth. Dad's the school principal. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. what? Are you, what are you, there's how so does, many things. How does somebody go from, you know, that period of your life to really owning who you are and being, you know, one of the funniest people going around. Was there, was there a moment like after that happened where there was a pivot and you're like, fuck this, this is me and I'm going to, you know, be there and be proud about it. Yeah, uh, there was. And it was the year 12 school formal. And I said to my teacher who was organizing the formal, I said, I just want to do a speech on behalf of the whole year. I just want to be the one to do the speech, like a really nice speech. And um, she was like, okay, yeah, sure. Of course. Of course. Just let me, let me approve it. Let me approve it. So yeah. I sent her a fake speech that yeah. was real nice. Yeah. Um, and then I got up there with my fake speech, with my real, real speech. Real speech. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. And I tore every motherfucker in the room <laughs> to shreds. I did the roast of the entrance <laughs> campus and I picked out every single person and gave them, and I started the whole speech with, the central coast where some girls' tans are brighter than their future. <laughs> and I had the entire room for like the first time, like yeah. roaring with laughter. And then yeah. I just went through and went, you, 
make a joke about you, whole room laughing, yeah. next person, next person. And all these really like niche references from throughout our school life, like, yeah. you know, big moments that you remember from school, like yeah. those random moments when a dog just runs through the school and it's yeah. like the most wild moment. There's a dog in school, there's a dog in school. Get under the tables, get under the tables. And I'm like, yes, the dog's here. No one's teasing me for being gay, you know, like it's like something else to focus on. So, yeah, and I just like laid into everybody, but in like the best roast way and like everybody got like a cop dirt and. What prompted you to do that? Um, I was just sick of it. Yeah, <laughs> I was like, this is the last time I'm seeing you all. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it yeah. may as well be a fuck you. Yeah, yeah, I may great. as well leave it on a high. Um, but I won like a lot of people over that night, which is sad because it was our formal the last and day. school was done. Yeah, and I was yeah. like, you know, even those boys who had been so awful to me came up and they're like, you're the funniest, Emma. You're so good, bro. Oh my gosh. And I'm like, I've actually always been like this. You yeah. just haven't let me speak. So, yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, that was like the first time that I kind of was like, oh, maybe people actually are laughing because before that I hadn't. So there's, but there's clearly somebody who was, has an understanding of, you know, comedy and timing and how to make things funny. Was that always there? Like, cause you know, you said you were, you were, you know, trying to be funny, but you weren't getting the reception that you were hoping for. Do you think it was there? Are you found funny in musicals? Like, are yeah, you trying was, to flex that muscle was, elsewhere? Was that, was that, that always night? there? I'm actually not sure. Like, I don't know. It potentially was because during the HSC, like the end of year 12, exams, um, I wanted to be a speech pathologist randomly, like six weeks before the test. So I was like, I want to be a speech pathologist. And then I realized I wasn't going to get the mark for that. Yeah. And so I was like, well, I can't be a speech pathologist. So <laughs> we'll scrap that dream and we'll just watch Joan Rivers on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> and so for like the six weeks leading up to the HSE, I was just watching Joan Rivers um, specials on YouTube. Yeah. And um, I think that's where the roast idea came from. Yeah. And uh she is definitely like still to this day one of my big inspirations when it comes to comedy. Not so much like the jokes she was making because they were rough. And I <laughs> just think if she was still doing that today, I don't know how it would fly. Yeah. But um, definitely in the way that she captures the audience from the minute she walks on that stage and they're just in the palm of her hand. And no matter what happens, she's got them. You know what I mean? Even yeah. if everything goes wrong. She still got them because she got them from the get go. Do you, do you think? Do you, so yeah. Do you think that you know you're talking about when you're identifying them, all right? And you're going through each person. You've got a memory of school. Mm -hmm. Do you think part of that was when they were sciencing you and you couldn't speak, so you're just observing everything and you're watching and noticing everything that's happening? Yeah, kind of. Like I think that it's. I also had to be kind of smart about it because I wasn't going to attack like the people who. I thought would attack me back. So for example, like, let's talk about the group of boys who were pretty horrible to me. There was one boy in the group of boys who was not horrible to me, but wasn't nice to me, but just didn't really do anything. Yeah. Um, and he had a car that said something along the lines of, it was like a, a wagon. And it was like, if the wagon is a shaken, no, if the, if the wagon is Rocking, rocking, don't, don't, don't come, come and knock knocking. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen and our I, cars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and I brought guess what? that They're up. never rocking. <laughs> <laughs> that was the joke. <laughs> that was the joke. So I said that. I said, funny how it was never actually rocking. Never ever rocking. And the boys like were throwing serviettes at him. Like, yeah, go, oh. You never get any. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so it was kind of just, yeah, like about that. And he loved that. And so it was, uh, you know, I, there was someone who was always fucking selling those Freddo Frog chocolate boxes. Oh, yeah. yeah the so I made a joke ones, about yeah. that. I can't remember what it was. Um, yeah. You know, like 
people just like, oh, I walked to class and walked past the year 11 toilets and the sweet smell of cigarettes hit my face. Like I was just <laughs> saying stuff like that because you would walk past the toilets yeah, yeah. and everyone was smoking in there. So were you, were you thinking, you know, like in the years leading up to this and stuff when they, they weren't letting you, you know, have your moment and speak and all that kind of stuff, were you always thinking of funny things? Like was your mind like jettisoned towards thinking of, of comedic things or had you kind of silenced that as you'd silence yourself? I honestly don't know because I feel like there was so much trauma there. I've just blocked everything out. Sure. So I don't know whether I was doing that sort of stuff. I don't know. I definitely wasn't um, quick and like, uh, if someone was saying something and I thought of a joke, I mm. know that I wasn't being vocal about it because I knew that people weren't wanting to hear what I was saying. Yeah. But I can't, yeah, I can't really remember. Like for me, up until from like from everything that I've told you, I feel like as much as I remember, yeah. I don't remember much because I just have like blocked that out. And also I will say that since leaving school, it's just, the life is just so different to yeah. what it was in high school. And I honestly thought that that, uh, attitude or the behaviors of other people would follow me throughout life forever. Like I just thought that's all I've ever known my whole life. Sure. And then, um, and the other thing as well is I was like, maybe I just need rich friends because the rich kids weren't mean to me. You know <laughs> yeah, what I mean? Yeah, so like yeah. there was all these things I was like dealing with in my head, um, to try and figure out how to navigate the world. And then once I left school, it was actually like, oh, this is easier yeah. than I thought. Um, yeah, this podcast, we've had a lot of people message and they're like, oh, it's really helped me. I'm, I'm not sure how to get into comedy because everyone's sort of journey into what is comedy and performing helps them. But I'd love to just ask on how you remained, I guess, positive through that. Like that, by the way, I'm sorry that that happened to you. That's fucking awful. Like it's an awful thing. But, you know, you talk about now how you're having all this success. Like, you know, you do podcasts. We've seen you on the socials. We even talk about your videos are better because you're better looking than everyone else. Yeah. But <laughs> w was there something, like if there's someone listening, maybe in the queer community listening and they're going through that, like was there something that kept you going? I think people in the queer community, we already, this just comes to us naturally because we, we have to, yeah. yeah, we have to, or we don't survive. Like we have to form that thick skin. We have to form that, uh, that backbone, I guess, or whatever you want to call it that, that gets us through life. Otherwise we won't make it. And I decided that I was going to make it and I was just going to have to, I had this uh, saying reflect the haters and just, you know, put I, in high school and after high school, I had all these fabulous sunglasses that I used to wear. Yeah. And I'd be like, put the shades on. They're so glamorous. And that's also where like Australia's biggest glamazon comes from is because I just wear things that are so extravagant, shiny, lots of makeup, highlight that is blinding. Like, you know, all of this stuff is like almost like a armor yeah. Um, yeah. to go, I'm so fucking shiny. No one can touch me because I'm just going to reflect any negativity that you throw my way. Yeah. Um, I think like for any queer person that is struggling with that or not even just queer, anyone who is like struggling with that, I think it's just all about the fact that you don't know what life is going to throw at you until life throws it at you. And I feel like if I had gone back and told like my high school self what I was doing today, not even today and not even to do with social media, I just mean in life in general, yeah. not my career, just life in general. If I was doing what I was doing, if I was as happy as I am. I wouldn't have believed you in high school because it was so drastically different. Yeah. And um, the best part about going through life is that, like, you just don't know what's next. Yeah. Mm. And that actually excites me instead of scares me. It used to scare me all the time. And I don't know when the switch happened where I got all of this, because I've always been confident, even when, like, they were knocking me down, not letting me speak, I was still like, I know who I am and I'm fabulous. Yeah, you know what yeah. I mean? So I've always had... a. Uh, a sense of uh, confidence. And I always have believed that I will do whatever I can to the best of my ability. I used to have a, a legal studies teacher 
who, you know, used to say that, because I was dumb as well, like at some things, like <laughs> legal studies, I just couldn't wrap my brain around. And yeah. I remember he, like, not to throw the spanner in the works, but like, I think he just maybe didn't like me because of some of my life choices. Mm, yeah. And uh, he re- said to me one time, like, you know, you're never going to amount to anything. I can't, he said something like, I can't wait in five or 10 years when I see you collecting my bins out the front because all you're ever going to be is a garbage man. Oh, what the fuck? But I was self-aware enough to go, well, you know what? If I want to be a garbage man, I'll be a garbage man. I'll be the best fucking garbage man ever. <laughs> and also, who's got, like, who says being a garbage man isn't cool? Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? So I always had that attitude about me that, you know has carried me throughout life. Yeah. Well, let's talk the the next step, right? So, you know, year 12, you make the speech. Um, mm-hmm. You're like, fuck, why did I wait so long to do this? Uh, it was phenomenal. Everyone laughs. What's the next performance step that you take when you leave school? Like, what what is the next thing you do? Uh, and when do you make the decision to, well, let's have a crack over here in the performance space? Um, ages, because I think until, so, so from leaving high school, I started my YouTube channel a few years later. Yeah. And that were you was, studying? Did you go to uni? No, no. Well, no. Dull. The eight. I was watching Joan Rivers. I didn't get a good score. So what were you doing? What were you doing for cash? Were you? Did you have a well bit of everything? Yeah. <laughs> Literally, I was a. I, I, this is actually so bad, but I was a lifeguard. Oh, I can't even swim. Pool. But I was a lifeguard. Pool they didn't ask for any accreditation, oh, nothing, shit. no certificate. I was a lifeguard. I was getting paid. It was uh, at this little water park at a pub. So I don't know. It was water run... park at a pub. Yeah, it was all wrong. But anyway, it <laughs> worked for me. I was making cash. Yeah. Um, I was doing anything. I've always been a bit of a businesswoman. Always been. Um, money has always driven me. Like I was doing lifts for cash back in the day. Yeah. Saying twenty dollars to the club. I'll drive yeah. you and your friends. Okay. Put the tunes on and. I would make a thousand bucks in a night, tax free. Don't tell the ATO. But, <laughs> you know, cash, give me twenty bucks and to drive you to the club, and then yeah. by the time I'd driven everyone to the club, people were starting to come home. Um, yeah, yeah. And so, uh, always been, always one of those people who like had three jobs at once. You know, I was working yeah. at Domino's and the body shop and a perfume shop all, all at the same time. And um, because again, like I was like, I even before I went full time with social media and comedy and stuff, I was working at McDonald's. And again, like I still had that attitude that like, you know, people look down on McDonald's, but I was like, I want to fucking own 10 McDonald's. Yeah. They make like a million dollars a month on average. Let's go. Like, like I was just always knew whatever I did, I wanted to be the best that I could at it. And, um, being stagnant is not enough for me. I'm always like, what's next? Constantly moving, trying to change all Mm -hmm. that kind of stuff. So, okay. So you're you're bouncing around doing all these jobs. It takes a while for you to finally, you know, jump on stage or doing that. But let's talk about the the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. So where did that original inspiration come from and what was it? Well, my friends were telling me you either need to go on. Did you run out of Joan Rivers videos? (laughs) (laughs) So I'm I'm making my own. (laughs) (laughs) This is what Joan would be like now. Reheated. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) My friends were like, you could either, you need to either be on Big Brother, Mm. which I would have loved to do, or you need to start a YouTube channel. And Big Brother had been cancelled by that point. So I was like, right, I'll do a YouTube channel. And I just kind of did, like, videos. They weren't even that funny. It was was more so just me being me. Yeah. Yeah. Which was shocking to me because I was like, you know, I just would set the camera up and drive around and capture my road rage and then make that into a video. Yeah. Or I would just literally do story times of like things that had happened in my life. And it would, it wasn't even like I would, I would just put the camera on and start talking. It was not scripted. It was not like I wanted, had jokes in there that I wanted to say. I was just telling a story, but I think that people found it like almost just so 
captivating in a way that they all started to watch and pile in and start subscribing. And it was really weird because again, although I had had that year 12 speech where I was like, yeah, okay, like I'm actually good. Like, <laughs> sorry, you've wasted all this time bullying me. I could have been your friend. I'm looking at the boys going, we could have been much more than what we were. We could have done a collab, you <laughs> idiots. <laughs> and then um, it's funny because that's when they all start coming out of the woodworks. Of oh, you know, like, oh, you're so funny. I've been watching your videos with my girlfriend. Like, it's amazing. Yeah. I'm going, thank you. You did bash me, but like, yeah. thank you so much. It makes up <laughs> for the broken eye socket. Question for you, Liam, has it been a rockin'? Yeah, <laughs> literally. And then they'd all go, anyway, my girlfriend has a candle business. Do you want to promote oh, it? And I'm going, go. okay, yeah. yeah. So um, anyway, I think the best part was that I was just being me. Yeah. And for people to respond to that so well was really uh, thrilling. And so then I just continued at YouTube and then started all the other social media as they came, uh, you know, came about. And then here we are 10 years later. Yeah. I feel like a social media veteran <laughs> waiting for my redundancy or something. <laughs> Long service. Where's, yeah, where's the pension when you need it, love? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's been like a long journey. Do you remember that moment, you know, when you're making the the YouTube videos and stuff? And are they going well? Yeah. How when they, when did they start? start going well? When did mm. subscribers start coming in and you're starting like, holy shit, like... People are enjoying this. Um, pretty much straight away. It was a really quick process. Like I didn't expect it to be so quick, but I think I also like 10 years ago, 10,000 subscribers was like, you were famous. Yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like this, these days, if you have 10,000 subscribers on YouTube, like no one probably knows who you are really. Yeah. yeah. But like back then, 10,000 subscribers. and like, I couldn't go to the shops without someone yeah. coming up to me and saying, Hey, I watch your videos. And I was sharing them on, back then as well, it was very different. Like people would share a YouTube link on Facebook, Facebook. which just doesn't happen anymore because Facebook yeah. didn't have videos of back course. then. Yeah. So like if you, they wanted to show people something, so I could see a lot of people sharing my YouTube video links and stuff like that. And so, yeah, like I think it came in pretty fast, but it's been a very up and down kind of journey because the thing is as well for the first uh five to six years I was still working at at McDonald's and other jobs as well that I had in between because I was always kind of trying to do more than one thing to yeah. have different streams of income and so for the longest time like I wasn't making any money and so um the the thing is I actually don't even know where the fuck I was going with this to be honest <laughs> When did, when hey, did just, it, you got me. <laughs> me and Nathan both song. I'm like, oh, fuck. When, when, this is when, that you told speech. When does, it, when does it drop? Like, when did you, you... Oh, yeah, ebbs and flows. So the first five years, like, I was working. So there was times that I didn't have time to do videos. So I was like, oh. I've, I've got to have a rest. Yeah. And there might be three months without a video because, like, yeah. I'm just too busy. And so um, that's what I was saying is there were times that I kind of also had mental health struggles and things happening in my personal life. And I was like, I just can't be bothered. And then... Um, I was vlogging. I was doing things like that. That was fun. And then there was a time I got to around 90,000 subscribers and all I wanted in my life was a, a hundred thousand play button. Yeah. And yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my God, <laughs> I'm so close. Here we go. Yeah. And I was making a pretty good amount of money from uh, YouTube and I decided to move my life down to Sydney because I was coming down all the time for work anyway. Yeah. And then I was... I figured out that YouTube, allegedly, 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 no one's getting sued today, <laughs> but I figured out that allegedly 
queer people's videos weren't showing up in search or in subscriptions on YouTube. So if oh. you would subscribe to me, my videos wouldn't come up in your subscription box because I was queer or because I had like hashtag gay in the, in the caption or something. Yeah. Like. Mm. And so I figured that out and I went on Twitter and was like, um, I think I've just realized this, like not really sure, but can someone like check, am I showing your su- yeah. subscription box? Everyone yeah. was like, no, you're not there. What's going on? I was testing it with the people that I was subscribed to. It was all happening. I then like had some pretty solid evidence that that's what the the case was. So yeah. I then like went even more public with it and like went on YouTube, uh, went on Twitter and tweeted YouTube. Anyway, it took them a few days. They came out with a statement saying that I was wrong and that that wasn't happening. And I was like, mm, okay, well, I'm going to now... I don't like being wrong, so I'm yeah, going to yeah. triple check. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I then, you know, hashtag gay yeah. wasn't showing up. Removed that. Oh, there it is. Shut it's up. showing up. And mm. I was like, well, here's a screen recording. And now you've fucked me off. Here's a petition that yeah, everyone yeah, yeah. can sign. Yeah. So we can get a proper answer on this. Anyway, like a lot of people got involved. Big names like um, Miranda Sings, Tyler Oakley, Joey Graceffa, oh, wow. like all those really big YouTubers at the time all got around the petition, retweeting it, signing it, blah, blah, blah. YouTube came out and said, hey, we have to apologize. This is actually something that we've done. Oh, shit. And um, we didn't realize we've used like an AI sort of thing, I guess. And yeah. and our system and our technology has failed us. And I don't know, there's still a statement that you can find somewhere on the internet from them about that. Um, I then came out and said, well, thank you, everyone. I was right. <laughs> yeah. I was right. YouTube was wrong, blah, blah, blah. Now, <clears throat> bit of a conspiracy theory here, and allegedly, 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 I don't know, it's just a huge coincidence. Two weeks later, I went from getting anywhere between 50,000 to a million views on every video yeah. to try and barely cracking 2,000 views. Oh, Money went out the window, like everything was gone, um, and it was this big downfall. And my YouTube channel has never been the same again. Wow. Now. I'm just going to leave that in your hands. You figure out what happened there. <laughs> I'm not saying anything, doll. Allegedly, yeah. allegedly, but I'm not saying that that's what happened, but it's a huge coincidence that just two weeks after I've done all of that, yeah. hmm, suddenly the YouTube video has just been nuked, yeah, is what everyone what calls it. Yeah. And then um, I had to pivot. And so I went to Facebook videos. They had just launched. I was making so much money from Facebook videos because Facebook wanted people to use the platform. So for YouTube, for example, my CPM, which is basically like how much you get paid per thousand or hundred thousand views was like 60 to 60 cents to a dollar 20, anywhere in between. Facebook was like $23. Oh, so I was making bank yeah. and I was living my life. Silver Maccas? And, uh, no, Thank no, no, you, by Mr. This, Zuckerberg. <laughs> by, by this point, I had uh, left. I was in Sydney doing it, whatever. And um, I actually had got a job at a Woolworths call center randomly doing yeah. you know, how you get groceries delivered. Yeah. You call me if you had a problem. Just because I was like, I just still need some security. I had quit for a little bit, but I got that job just for security. And then um, we had a really big sponsored job came come through and I couldn't do it because I had a shift and I said to my manager Alex at the time he I said I just you know this one job offer that they've I know it's a lot of money but they've given me one job offer if I take that job offer and then never get any more work like I'm screwed but Mm. like this is my job like I have to show up to this shift and he goes 
I'll give you a thousand dollars if you walk out the door right now. I said, I'm there. Where do you need me? Because <laughs> 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 at, at that point, like a thousand dollars was changing my life. I'm like, that's four weeks rent. I'll sort myself out. You know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll, yeah. we'll figure it out. So, um, Matty, that, were you ever, so the, the videos that were going really well on, on YouTube and, and even now, but uh, I want to talk, you know, early days on YouTube when they were going really well, were you looking back and, you know, like looking over what was working and like comedically looking, okay, they like this, they don't like this, they like this, they like this, or was it kind of just throwing stuff at the wall, see what sticks? Um, bit of both. Yeah. But I kind of have like my, at the time, like I, I feel like my content pillars have always stuck with me the whole time. These days, TikTok definitely just throwing shit at the wall and seeing what sticks. Mm. But I have a note in my phone that I always like reflect back on. Great. And I'll read it out to you right now of yeah. like my um, content, pillars that I have. Yeah. So fuck them haters. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I released a song called Re- reflect the haters. Really? Really? Yeah. Right. Oh. yeah. We'll have to play it later. We'll, Let's play, um, can we'll we play, play it on the radio no, no, show. No, no, watch this. Ready? Let's put a bit of it in here. Yeah. I'll have to send it to you because it's oh, not even on streaming. <laughs> Look at that. Yeah, that's, that's good. good. Yeah, <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, so I have kind of my content could fit into any of these five pillars. One is shareable, meme-worthy content that's low effort, high potential, and tag-worthy. So yeah. people, um, that was definitely the Facebook kind of vibe is I yeah. wanted people tagging their friends in my Facebook videos, potential to share it, go viral, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. That kind of like draws the audience in. You get a lot of followers from doing just shareable stuff where you don't talk, you just put a Taylor Swift song in the background and you write a funny caption. Yeah. And I do a lot of those. Um, like, you know, I might want do one once a fortnight because that draws so many people in. But yeah. then with my other personality-based videos, that's where I make the connection with my audience and they stick around, sure. you know? Um, opinions, thoughts, and feelings. So product testing, general relatable com- uh, commentary about what's happening in life. Um, and then the third one is <laughs> a bit wanky, but it's creative genius. Yeah. So they're things that I'm like, this is fucking gold, <laughs> you know? So I, <laughs> Reflect the haters song. Yeah. yeah. I recently did like the Australian version of Vogue that yeah, was yeah. like, Ernie Dingo, the Minogue, Scrimshaw, and that guy named Rogue, <laughs> you know? And did like all Australian icons. Yeah. Um, Fourth is lifestyle. So that's everything from leisure to glamour. So that's taking you along Mm. in my life and um, just showing you what I'm up to. And then lastly is is important messaging. So although I love a laugh, like there's still a lot of um, themes around mental health, body image, confidence, political conversations, queer representation. I'm a huge ally for the trans community. I think trans people are, in my opinion, the strongest people in our community. The fact Mm. that they go through life, you know, being trans and being strong enough to do that is just so mind-blowing and yeah. inspiring sure. in my life. You know, for me, like, I just had to hide being gay. Imagine being trapped in the wrong body, body yeah. In, yeah. in a body that you don't align with. Like, to me, that is, I just think, um, I love the trans community so much, and so I have all the time in the world for them. And so it's all about that. It's like the viral videos, bring them in, show them a bit of personality, really hit the nail on the head with something fabulous for them to stick around forever and like hook them in. And then also, you know, foster some in, important messaging in there. And I carry that through my live shows as well. When, yeah. did, when did you write that list? That's been with me for probably 18 months. Wow. Yeah. See, I thought, this is so interesting because, um, I mean, Jim, as you said before, we've spoken to so many different people who have so many different, you know, ways that they produce and create and write their content. And people do have formulas and stuff, but it's the first time we've, you know, somebody's had official 
pillars that they like to align their content with. Was was that your idea to come up with, with pillars or had you seen somebody else do a similar thing or were you just sitting there one day going, I need to, you know, it's almost like a, a like a filing of yeah. all the, of the stuff you do. I just came up with it myself. I was just, I, I, about 18 months ago, because here's the thing. So I went full time with um, my social media back in uh, 2019. But before that, for about a year or two, I had cut down to like 10 hours a week at work. So yeah. Is that the Woolworths call job? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and Maccas as well. Maccas, so yeah. I was like, I know that I have only been full time since 2019, but for two years before that, I really wasn't working. I was only earning a couple hundred dollars a week just for security reasons, just to make sure I had something coming in. But I probably could have like gone full time earlier anyway. I, again, money drives me. And I was like, I need to be smart about this. So once I was like able to really leave and, um, go properly full time, I sat down and I really worked out like I, I'm, I I love the businessy side of things. Like randomly, like I love open up my zero. I'm wet. Like I'm like, (laughs) let's fucking talk bitch. You know what I mean? So like I sat on my mile. (laughs) I love, I'm just gonna say, I love Gmail. Like I just love it. I love a Google cow. Like honestly, that's my love language. You know, we we did on the, on our radio show, we did a screen time test. See how long Nathan and I run our phones? Yeah. Nathan's number one app, screen time, Gmail. (laughs) I love that. Loves it, Eva. I knew that was my person. I knew that was my person. (laughs) (laughs) He loves the fucking cold and a bit of Gmail. (laughs) And like number five was like Nathan's wallet. We were like, how often are you getting your wallet out? Like (laughs) tapping Apple Bay, checking your flight. Just to show show people that I'm gold on Virgin. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I'm nearly platinum. Oh my God. Yeah. So I I definitely. I definitely love the the admin side of things. I yeah. love being organized. I love like writing everything out and being like, what do I have to do? What do I want to do? All of that sort of stuff. So the pillars kind of came about 18 months ago. I actually updated it yesterday though and oh. put in those things like leisure and glamour just to explain to you what it means. But yeah. like in my brain, the five were just always written down. Um, but yeah, that's how I work. I, I kind of like am 50% improvisation and off the cuff. Some things I literally just film in one take and it's art. And the other 50, like the Australian Vogue uh, version that I did, like yeah. that's been sitting in my in my content ideas list for three years. Wow. And I wanted to do it really high produced and really like, you know, put a lot of effort into it because I was like, this is a great idea. I've never seen anyone do this. And so I want to execute it properly. And then it's been three years and I haven't done it. So I just picked up the camera the well, other night and filmed it. Yeah. Were there opportunities earlier, but it just wouldn't have looked as good as you thought it was. So you're like, all right, I have to hold on to this. Until no, I'm, I'm just fucking lazy. <laughs> <laughs> you're like, there's uh, the sixth pillar. <laughs> lazy. Yeah. Yeah. No, and seventh money. Yeah. Um, in, in your opinion, because like we have chatted some people, you know, in terms of social media, whereas you seem to be, you know, one of those people who've been in from the early days. Some people, you know, have been doing comedy, stand-up comedy, and they're like, all right, I've got to use the socials now to try and get a fan base. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of people we've chatted to, just during COVID, they went, fuck, I don't have anything else to do. Mm. Do you think people can have a career without being funny or entertaining? Like, is there a science, is there enough science behind it to make someone successful? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. But you have to have something to say. Like, yeah. you can, like the harsh reality is not everyone's going to be interesting. Yeah. And so you don't have to be funny or entertaining, but I mean, the, <laughs> there are people I follow that definitely aren't funny or entertaining, <laughs> but maybe they've got a good message or they've got something that they're I... They're bringing something to the table. They're bringing something yeah. to the table at least. Yeah. Um, I think that like the pandemic really changed our views on who we follow online. Yeah. 
And that was really good for me. And that's why it was so good for many of the guests probably on this show, because you'll notice it's no longer like Instagram 10 years ago was all skinny white girls laying on a beach and everyone was like, I want that life. And then the Mm. pandemic was like, hang on a second. We're all just the same at the end of the day, blah, blah, blah. And they were craving more. They needed entertainment. They'd watched all of Netflix. They'd finished yeah. Grinder. Like yeah. they were done. They were <laughs> we all watched Tiger King. <laughs> Finish the Grinder levels. Yeah. Beat the last boss. I've had fun. the door unlocked, and people have just been coming in and out yeah. for months. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, they wanted more. They wanted substance, and that's why people like me blew up in the pandemic. Is because we were there and waiting. And I feel like I had a bit of a head start because I was like, Happy time. So, yeah. so did you know? So talk to us pre-pandemic. So what was it? It was 2019. You've quit your job full time now, mm-hmm. which was great. Full time. Full time. Pandemic. Doing uh, great. <laughs> <Yeah>. Timing. <laughs> so you is it just Facebook you're posting on at that at that time? Yeah, Facebook, Instagram had a few like uh Instagram sponsored posts Post. going up here and there, but the yep. Facebook money was really Be sustaining good. me and um yeah, just working with brands and all of that sort of stuff. But at the time, like it was I was scraping by, but yep. I was like, mm. it's fine because it's I'm at least I'm not in minus, you know what I mean? Yeah, like yeah, I was yeah. like, I was like, it's enough to sustain me for now. And then that's when the COVID. pandemic hit. And, and I was like, oh. Did you know in your head, you're like, I could seize this? Or did it? you sort of start to see what everyone else was doing? No, or? I knew in my head. I was yeah. like, I'm getting on. And back then, like TikTok wasn't really a big thing. No, it so wasn't. it was still yeah. Facebook. So I was doing daily Facebook videos all about the pandemic. Yep. And they were going gangbusters. By this point, though, Facebook as well, because of the pandemic, um, had changed the CPM. So that was a lot lower. It was back down like YouTube at like a dollar, two dollars. So yeah. I wasn't making as much money. But baby, I was on job seek. I was living the life. Like, yeah, of I was course. Like, I was like, it's fine. I'm on Centrelink. That's fine. Wrote a song about that too. That's on Spotify. <laughs> you can listen to that. It's called Riding ScoMo. <laughs> The irony of being on Centrelink, writing a song, <laughs> making money, and then writing a song about Centrelink, making money off yeah, that. Is yeah, perfect. Yeah. yeah. Well, because I was a sole trader, like, that's why it was perfectly fine. And the only income coming in was the Facebook. And because of the drop, it was like $20 a, yeah. a month or yeah. like around, it'd be less than $100 a month. Wow. So job seeker saved my life. Thank you. <laughs> and I was able to just create videos nonstop and really the creative juices were flowing. And then we got to like month four and I was like, I think I want to cry. <laughs> this is a lot. And then we came out of lockdown and then we went back into lockdown. And that's when I started doing like the microphone videos on the balcony yep. where, which the first one, again, this is a thing that I was saying earlier about the pillars, like, and the way that I do content. The first one was real and improvised and one take. There were girls sitting in the park and we were not allowed to congregate in a group. And so yep. I got on the microphone yep. and filmed myself saying to the girls over there in the park <laughs> we're in a lockdown <laughs> go home okay because these were the ones that I remember yeah, they're yeah. the first times that I saw you everyone was sharing their being like have so you fucking like, see this yeah. this is hilarious yeah, yeah, yeah. also my girlfriend sells candles <laughs> <laughs> So, so the first one that that was just improvised, and yeah. you just put it up, and then the demand for that. Are you scripting yeah. stuff after that? Yeah. Are you still? Um, yes and no. Like I was just kind of like, if I had an idea, I was like, could I do that on the microphone? Yeah. And then some of them weren't scripted as well, and then some of them became sponsored, so that was fun. Like I was doing sponsored mi- microphone videos. I was like. <laughs> Looking at my life going, how the fuck did I get here? (laughs) (laughs) You're like, all I wanted to do was own multiple McDonald's. (laughs) 
Hey, it's not too late. It's not. Sponsored microphone. We can retire from this soon, aren't you? Ready for redundancy package? Hey, Matt, I want to ask when 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 did all right hey like come into existence, and also Australia's biggest glamazon? When when did those two you know identities come forward? So all right hey was from the start of my YouTube channel because I would start every video with all right hey. Yeah. But the thing was, it was never meant to be my name. But then people started to come up to me at the shops and say, "Are you all right, hey?" Yeah. Because they didn't know my my real name, Matt. And I was like, "What was your handle on YouTube?" All right, hey. Oh, well, because back then everybody had a cool way of starting their videos. Yeah, yeah. And so that was going to be mine. And so I just went, "I'll make the whole channel all right, hey," because I couldn't think of a name that was interesting. I mean, Matt. Matt is not the most interesting (laughs) name in the room, doll. So I thought, if my name was, hey, I'm Matt. (laughs) Yeah, door Matt. Exactly. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah. Like if it was Siobhan or something, that'd be a bit sexy, but. But Matt is just, you know, boring. So <laughs> I wanted something to capture attention because, yeah. again, always about business, always about yeah. marketing. We want something a bit different. Mm. And so, yeah, um, people would come up and say, are you all right? Hey. And then I was like, oh, like this brand has kind of started without me thinking too much about it or wanting it, mm. but we'll run with it. And so I just named myself All Right Hey for years. I've only just in the last few years um, adopted the Matt Hay and like popped that in as well because yeah. I was like... Maybe it wasn't translating to mainstream media and things like that. And people like, if you listen to this podcast and you have no idea who I am, all right, hey, is confusing. Yeah. Whereas uh, at least, and also in the pandemic, this was great for my socials, actually. <laughs> Holy fuck. I was one of the, I was the first influencer, yeah. content creator yeah. to get COVID. And I documented the whole thing and all eyes were on me. Channel 7 choppers outside my house. (laughs) Honestly, they're down. No, this is no word of a fucking lie. Someone's got my number. I don't know how they got my address. They've called me and I'm going, hello. And they're going, oh, hello. This is so-and-so from Channel 7 News. We were just wondering if you could do an interview about, um, you know, your time in isolation right now. You've got COVID, blah, blah. I was like, oh, yeah, sure. Like, I can do that for you. And she goes, okay, would you mind just coming out to the balcony? I said, yes, I walked outside the fucking camera crew standing (laughs) on the ground with the camera up in my face. And I've jumped back inside and said, no, (laughs) (laughs) you can have my voice, but you can't have my face. Especially because it was just so obvious where I lived. I lived in a very obvious building at the time. And I was like, I... Yeah, for safety reasons, we're not. Doing was that, that was that confronting? Like the the fact that they call you and I was then like, just walk. It? I went into a spiral. Like yeah. I was like, how did they get this information? How have they figured out that I was there? But then I realised I had done an interview. <laughs> I done an channel interview. ten on the balcony. <laughs> <laughs> I did something for I did something for one of them like a uh, few months prior to that, and I was like, oh yeah, I had to give all my details. So yeah. that's probably how they figured that <laughs> yeah, one out. Right. But um, everyone, yeah, like loved seeing behind the scenes of COVID. Yeah, now yeah. we've all, now we've all had it. Yeah. Yeah. But like at the time I was the only person that it was, it was that in that time that you were like, I don't even know one person that's got it. Yeah. Mm. And then I was the first one and all eyes were on me. And I was, I was like, if I knew this was going to happen, I would have got it two years ago. <laughs> like, like, Give me that bat. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> <laughs> so, <laughs> Allegedly. 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 It was a bat soup. We don't allegedly. know. Allegedly. I don't know. Was that rumor about it was Guy Sebastian? Allegedly. Yeah, Remember allegedly, he went yeah, to the... Uh, anyway, allegedly. allegedly. I don't know. Uh, it was YouTube. I heard. <laughs> <laughs> allegedly. Allegedly. <laughs> you said it. <laughs> 
Oh, shit. Oh. And then what about the, the Australia's Biggest Glamazon? When, when, oh, did, yeah. that, when did that identify? Well, me? that was just me being like, I need a name. <laughs> I, <laughs> I need yeah. a bit more of the brand. Um, basically, the word Glamazon for me has been made really popular by RuPaul. But back in the day, I watched Gladiators, which yep. is coming back soon. Yes. And they had a, a, glam- uh, a Glamazon. They had a Gladiator yeah. called Amazon and yeah. Viper. And long story short, Viper went on to be my drag name when I was a drag queen. And uh, Amazon, I was like infatuated with because she was just so masculine and like butch. And I was just like, <laughs> I want that energy for some reason. <laughs> and uh, when I was younger, I remember saying like, I, I'm Amazon. I'm Amazon. No, sorry. People would say to me, I'm, you're Amazon. Like, you're Amazon. And I was like, yeah, but I'm a bit more glam than Amazon, you know. <laughs> yeah. And then Glamazon came from that. So, yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, RuPaul's made it her entire fucking life. <laughs> yeah. But um, I came up with it first. <laughs> <laughs> so when, uh, so then later on in life, I was like, okay, well, uh, people were calling me Glamazon. I was like, it ties into the nice childhood story. Um, it's also a name that a word that everybody knows right now. And then I just gave myself the title. A lot of people think I won it somewhere. I'm like, yeah. no, no, yeah. I just <laughs> crowned myself. <laughs> and it was a joke at the time because it's like biggest as in like most famous, but also biggest as in like fattest. <laughs> and so it was like a bit, bit fun for the for the kids out there. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, I also want to talk about taking the stage for the first time in the live mm-hmm. shows and the comedy. When after, you know, success on social media, did you decide to take to the stage and do live shows? And obviously followed by heaps of success there. So I was approached by a tour manager uh, who also is Christian Hull's tour manager. Oh, yeah. Uh, So he was managing Christian Hull at the time and Christian sent me a message because we're good friends and he said, my manager wants to talk to you about doing live shows and I was like, okay. And yeah, we connected. I just knew straight away he's just one of those people who I just went, yes, you get me and you know what I want and you know how to make it happen. Mm. So we announced the first shows and... Then COVID hit. So we ended up having to cancel those. Um, And then two years later, so 2022, is when we brought back the live shows. Discussions were happening the whole time. Can we do it? You know, masks, limits in blah, 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 blah. We couldn't do anything. And I said, I don't want to do my first time if it's not going to be done right. So like, let's just wait till it's all over and we'll reconvene. If it takes us a few years, we'll reconvene. And so we did. And so... I reached back out to him and said, look, everything's open. We've got no capacity limits. We've got no masks. All good. Um, I'm ready to do it. And he was like, let's get it done. And so we did three shows at Sydney Comedy Festival, which sold out pretty much straight away. Yeah. Uh, so we had another two. They sold out within another week. And then we had to do an encore show, yeah. which also, <laughs> I think at the last, at the, it was in a bigger venue and at the last minute. Like I remember checking and there were seven tickets left. So we almost sold out that one as well. (laughs) Um, and I was blown away with the response that I was actually good. Um, because although I was like, I know what I'm doing, I know what I'm doing. Like this was a whole new thing to me. Like doing stand up was a whole new thing to me. And also it wasn't stand up. Like I definitely made a show that was tailored to my audience that already knew me anyway. There were a lot of nuances from my social media career. Like I spoke Mm. about times that I'd walked the red carpet at the Arias and I've spoken about that online before and I wore this outfit which was 
fucked. But at the time, I thought I was Beyonce. <laughs> like, I went on the Arias red carpet in, like, this jacket with, that was all studded and chains. I made it myself. Yeah. And then just undies. And uh, <laughs> then sparkly boots. Like, it was tragic. I made the worst dress list. Yeah. And, um, but I was still like, at least I'm on a fucking list. You know what I mean? <laughs> And then, so I was talking about that. So that's like a reference that a lot of people would remember. So I was talking about like that in the show. And the show itself, my first show was just called A Night with Australia's Biggest Glamour Zone, but it had an overarching uh, theme of fake it till you make it, which is how I've gotten through life is like by faking, you know, not being myself, like faking, um, not wanting to speak, blah, blah, blah. I had to fake being straight for all those years before I could come out. You know, I had to fake on the red carpet that I was, you know, the, the whole story there was that, um, I was broke. And so everyone else is dressed by designers and I had to make my own outfit. And so like, that's like, you know, fake it till you make it, fake it till you make it. And then again, going back to the pillars of my content, (laughs) there's always a nice message. And so at the end it came back around. Oh, sorry. I just kicked the table. Like there was (laughs) the last point (laughs) was, I really want to ram this home. (laughs) (laughs) And, um, so at the end of the show, it all came around and I was like, you know, once I, cause it was in the pandemic that everything got stripped away and I looked at my life and was like, oh, you know, fake it till you make it, but like, where's it actually even gotten me? And then that's when I had my second resurgence in the uh, pandemic when I got on the balcony and did the microphone videos and was just being myself. That was a candid moment that was real. And that's what people respond to. You know what I mean? And so the whole message of the show was like, life's too short to fake it, to please anyone else, to be someone you're not, like just be you, reflect the haters. And uh, once you start, once you stop faking it, that's when you start to make it was kind of like the message of the show. Yeah. I mean, Matty, we'd love to keep chatting. You have to keep back for another episode. I'm getting wrapped up by producer Jay. No, we're getting wrapped up. No, we're getting wrapped up because Channel 9 are on the roof and they (laughs) want (laughs) to... I don't know how they know where we are, but yeah. they've been listening. Well, um, Matty, how we wrap it up is, yeah. um, you know, we asked you at the start, were you born funny? But, you know, having gone through your whole journey, do you have the same answer? Do you think you were born funny? Yeah, I think I was born funny. I think it was everyone else's problem. And they <laughs> they took a, a little bit too long to appreciate the funny. Yeah, yeah. Um, well, I yeah. totally agree. I think from back from the, uh, the trivia days, 100 questions, mum's cooking Christmas dinner, Matt comes out and goes, sit the fuck down. <laughs> <laughs> I think the funny was absolutely there, mate. And uh, on behalf of you know Jimmy and I and everyone listening, uh, we're so glad that you are you're here and um and that you did find the funny. So we appreciate, it, mate. And you were definitely born funny. Thank you. Yeah. Now, if you ever see Matt in a Commodore and it's rocking, don't come and knock him, baby. <laughs> Leave him alone. And if anyone has a McDonald's for sale, please <laughs> eat up. All right, hey, he's looking good. Also, just to clear it up, I'd never been seen in a Commodore. <laughs> <laughs> Not again. <laughs> Thank you, Matty. Appreciate. It. Listener.